0: Alright, welcome to Semester Sneak Peek, a new series that provides a preview of courses available this coming fall semester. I am your host, Bethany Solomon, Associate Editor for the Northeast Campus. Since our series is all about upcoming fall courses, we thought it would be best to interview the instructors who are tasked with teaching them. We thought it would be best to include these professors so that we would be able to educate the students and further help uh, them in classes for the fall semester. Today we have our special guest, Gabe Phillips. Associate Professor in the Liberal Arts Communication Department who's teaching several interesting courses this upcoming semester. It is a pleasure to have you join us series, Ms. Phillips. Thank you very much. No problem. So we're gonna start uh, with your background. Well I grew up in West Texas uh, in the oil fields. That's what my dad was in it was his career. And we traveled a lot, and that probably piqued my interest the most about traveling through the nation and getting to know different areas, different people, and I've always been been interested in how we are similar as humans, how we are different, Um, how culture gets created and shared, and um, how we influence culture and make cultural changes. And that probably, that along with kind of why do humans do what we do, those two combined helped me fall in love with sociology, and that's my primary discipline.
1: Got to Oklahoma
0: in middle school. We moved to Oklahoma if we felt like we had moved to a foreign country. Um, Looking back, I know that's not the case, but when I was 10 years old, that's what it felt like. And um, I've stayed in Oklahoma ever since. Wow, very nice, very nice. I can see how that's been the underlying inspiration. Um, for sociology and how it relates to even anthropology. Did you go from finding interest in sociology to eventually um, that leading into anthropology? Was that a later discovery? I was just, four I just and to learning mm-hmm. sociology in my um, undergraduate program. Mm-hmm. And I had options of taking anthropology courses along with sociology, a lot on Native studies, indigenous populations. So from there, it extends the, the, what we study about culture right. and sociology okay. into a little bit more into right. the anthropological field. That's, that's very, very interesting. Let's go ahead and go into your experience prior to coming to TCC as far as being in the workforce and post post education. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, after I completed my bachelor's degree over at Phillips University in, the I uh, went to work in social services. I thought I wanted to be a social worker, Um, discovered that I'm not as uh, adept at doing that. I worried too much about people, took it home too much, and so after working for about five years in social services, I decided that I needed to make a change, and so I actually went into professional development for people that work in social services, Mm -hmm. predominantly people who work with runway and homeless youth. Um, kids that have been abused and neglected um, and that was the field I was in. so I knew I knew people I knew kind of what some of the ongoing training needs were right, right. So um, I did professional development then for about 20, 25 years doing lots of training workshops mm-hmm. and all kinds of topics how to deal with kids that live on the streets, how to teach people to be what we call trauma-informed Kids and families that go through trauma, how it affects them. And so we did just hundreds of training workshops. That's what I did. And while I was doing that, I went back and got my master's degree. But I knew I didn't want more direct service degree, like social work. Mm -hmm. So I just continued on with sociology because I love to learn about people. Right. um, In social structures and cultures and so I did that, and then um, after several more years, I decided I really wanted to, to probably teach at the university level, college university level. And so I went back and got my PhD. Um, I was a had gone on and, and become a private consultant mm-hmm. at that point, doing the same things, doing trainings, workshops, program development. I'd done um, quite a bit of program evaluations. Okay. Uh, for of those different organizations that both public and private that do uh, work with kids and families and so i went back got my phd and at that time i started as an adjunct um, everywhere i could find so i adjuncted at roger state at osu and also then tcc so i've been involved with tcc since 2000 and was an adjunct for 12 years full-time position open and so I've been in full time since 2012. Wow, that's, that's a the experience. So um, with TCC specifically, I, n- I noticed you mentioned um, trauma evaluation and I know that's something even um, currently being developed here at TCC is mental health awareness and how trauma affects people and even in, like the realm of education, how it affects their um, individual's rates of success life I like and it can be, yeah and yeah. It, to me it, like it's very fascinating and I even um, recently did an interview with Shatia Stephens and she um, she you know coordinates you know mental health awareness plans and things like that and as I was talking to her I realized um, in that moment that it's something that's not necessarily understood by many students um, that have experienced trauma emotional trauma things that can be considered emotional trauma and so they don't see it so with you working here at TCC were you involved with these specific programs where you would be able to reach out to individuals um, and help them kind of understand what it is that? It In many of my courses, I try to talk about right, you know child development, mm-hmm. how human, uh, adult development, how human development is something we do over our lifespan, right? And and then talk about when you don't get some of those basic. Needs met, right? Like attachment mm-hmm. bonding, um, and or you experience some sort of uh, significant life trauma, which almost everyone does, right? But if you don't have those foundational bases of attachment of you know being in a, a secure environment, it's much harder to deal with those traumas. Mm-hmm. Um, you may not have the support system that you have. So I try to give some good basic education in almost all my classes about human development and what we need as humans, um, and then, then I talk and introduce the ideas of trauma mm-hmm. and how that can impact, um, which helps to explain some of the crime rates we have, right? Um, the homelessness we have. Yes. So it connects to so many other topics that I teach in sociology. Cover in this field, and so I make those connections. I also talk then about um, what resources students have here at TCC. Yes, and and I, in fact, I just yesterday was organizing um, sort of materials that I have about Mm -hmm. the uh, student assistance program that we have. uh, I try to bring those people in my class and talk about what's available. Mm -hmm. I encourage them if they need any kind of uh, connection, Mm -hmm. that if they're struggling, um, not just academically, but emotionally or um, supporting their family, Mm -hmm. to make contact. So I I try to kind of get at that and some of the issues that people are dealing with and then help them make connections. I also talk about connections that are outside of TCC. I do some service learning in some of my courses, and we go and visit places. I, I take classes to the Family Safety Center here, mm-hmm. which um, deals with uh, domestic violence, not just between couples, but anyone in the family who has experienced some sort of um, violence or a- abuse can go to the Family Safety Center. Um, I talk a lot about the community resources that we have in Tulsa because we have great community resources here. Um, and so I think because of my social service background, um, I also talk about it realistically. I talk about being having been a, a foster parent um, and kinship provider. I've not had children myself, but I've raised several. My family talks about, well, we go to court to get our kids. You know, that kind of thing. Um, Great, right, right. so For me, it's sort of a combination of my life experience, my yes. professional, previous professional experience, teaching the fields, the issues and what's going on in the, in the discipline of sociology, social work, human services, psychology, and then make those connections on try to make them on a personal level for students if they need help or assistance. I also kinda watch out for how my students doing. Right, um, right. You know, I'll try yeah. to check in anything going on. Yeah. If I feel like the students are struggling mm-hmm. and try to at least give them some resources at T C C or mm-hmm. how has that experience been for you? How what has that really taught you about students and their willingness or their unwillingness to address problems that may they may not really understand coordinates with their own success? Two or three things. One, I think they, I hope, feel like, okay, somebody cares. And that's, that gets to as much for me about not only what I teach but how I teach. Because I want to be respectful of, of my students, where they are, what they're living with. Um, you know, I was a student at, at many different points in my life. I understand some of those struggles, not all of them. Um, I have a lot of support, so you know, I wasn't raising two or three kids and, um, mm-hmm. at the same time that I was in school. So. I try to make a connection to help them feel like somebody does care because I think that's critically important. Um, I also try to respect where they are at the time. Not everybody's ready to seek assistance or know how to do that. Um, If they want help doing that, then I'll make a phone call for them or um, I'll give them somebody's card and say, tell them I said to talk to you. <laughs> right. Um, most students who are experiencing that level seem to first feel just a little bit of relief of, okay, somebody's trying to understand my situation and seem to care. Um, it doesn't, that in itself doesn't change their situation. Um, and a lot of it's up to them at that point, how willing they are to see Maybe some support, um, and I just try to encourage and be there and, and um, help them wherever they are and right. whatever they want to do at that point. Right, mm-hmm. right. That's 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 very good. So, would you say this is something you implement in all of your courses, regardless, or do you? Yeah, pretty much, pretty much, pretty much. Okay, yeah, even yeah. my online classes. Okay, because I have students who you know we communicate through email. Right, and. You know, I've, I've done referrals for students, I've done incomplete classes, mm-hmm. and they're really stuck and they have done most of the work, That something happens, right? Um, and something almost always happens you know, during mm-hmm. a semester to refer each student, so um, even in my online classes, I try to, to at least be empathetic to help them out with referrals if I can at the same time you know, staying with what I have to do for the course itself. Right, that's 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 really good. And you're essentially putting in a practice way. You do teach and what you're bringing to students' awareness in terms of just human development. So that seems like that's the core um, connection between most of your courses. So I would so, say, yeah. yeah. I, I tell all my students in all of my classes, just kind of an odd way to say it, but I tell them, we're packing. We That's run good. in packs. That's we good. need each other. Yes. You know, other humans are our pack. Right. And because of those social connections, we, we need each other. What each other, what we do to each other is important. How we communicate, uh, how we understand each other. Right. All of those things. That's a very good point, which actually brings up a very interesting question with interdisciplinary. Um, studies diversity and inclusion mm-hmm. how have you found the differences that people may have on the surface level whether it be socioeconomic status whether it be um, culture ethnicity just anything really that divides people or causes them to communicate different ways and they may misinterpret how do how has that prevented um, people from really running in packs it's a matter of I think, expanding our pack. <laughs> Our right, right. There are usually just, I think, basic components of anybody's culture. For example, every culture has a family. Right. Who's included in that family. How that family dynamic is lived out is, can be very different. But everybody's got one. We have a family of origin. And so I try to teach what's common among us as humans. We all need family. We need connections. We need to feel connected to other people. We need to have a predictable world. We need to have a sense of safety, if at all possible. So I, I try to teach those common elements. And then talk about how we live that out can look very different. Our values, our beliefs, our traditions, our customs, our, our artifacts. And once you dive deeper into what people are doing mm-hmm. and why they're doing it mm-hmm. then usually number one you can find the common ground and then secondly a lot of how people live it out becomes less important that's that's yeah. very good so the four courses that you're teaching that we're going to mention on in the, the fall, podcast yeah. in the fall um anthropology sociology marriage and family and then diversity and which is a brand new course um, that is replacing social inequalities. Yes. Okay, it's kind of revised. A revised, so it's a revised. Can you explain the revision? Sure. Social inequalities, historically, within Mm -hmm. the discipline of of sociology, Mm -hmm. has focused a lot on um, studying race, ethnicity, gender, and class. Those are probably the four big components of social inequality. In our global society in in our broader view of the world, we need to look beyond, number one, just social inequalities. There there are lots of other aspects um, in those four. There's issues of people living with disabilities, intergenerational issues. That's a big one today. Um, And, you know, we've always had older people. We're disgruntled about younger people and what they do, um, but we have our version of it today. And so the changes, I think, number one, sure. that's one, is to expand the topic. Um, the second change in this course is to talk about inclusion, to talk about cultural competence, and what that means. How do you become, we hear those words a lot. How do you become a culturally competent person? And why is that important? And that's really what I focus on. Um, one of the, main, the primary reasons is employers want people to be able to deal with diverse populations. That's their number one issue when they when we hold them about what's most important in an employee. And if you're not comfortable as an employee dealing with diverse populations. You're not going to make it as far. And so learning to do that, getting comfortable with talking to people that sound different, who look different, who act. I'm not suggesting that everybody's got to like everything. Right. But you've (laughs) got to be able to, to understand beyond surface explanations or just, I don't like that person. I don't like him or her or what they're doing. To understand why there may be a dislike. What is it exactly? Is it one of those how-we-do-it issues, or is it a core issue that is important to you that may shape what career you go into and get comfortable with dealing with diverse populations uh, and the conversations that we need to have with each other, whether it's in our own families or in our own city, in our own school and college? And so this particular course, is looking at, it's going to be very interactive, it's going to be experiential in terms of we're going to talk and discuss and go visit places. We have lots of organizations that deal with social justice issues Mm -hmm. in this town. We're going to go visit some of those, hear from the people that are doing the work. Um, We're going to look at what, again, what does it mean to be culturally competent in your communication and how you ask questions just looking at what kinds of skills and attitudes that you have to develop in order to be more culturally competent. Mm -hmm. None of us ever arrive. There's always something else to learn. Um, Even if I learn something about somebody else in their culture, it doesn't make me an expert. It just makes me maybe a little more sensitive and um, to the point where maybe I can communicate with this person in a respectful way. Good. That's good. So, with uh, before the revision um, for that specific course, did you teach the um, yes one that was prior? Okay. So, with social inequalities, did you have students challenge your perspectives or bring in new um, ideas or inputs that surprised you or caused you to think or see something in a different way? Mm-hmm. Okay. Sure. In in fact, in all my classes, because I talk classes, about inequalities right no matter what class, right. those again are common things that we always talk about mm-hmm. in sociology courses. Yeah, I've had students challenge me as to people's abilities to change their views and in, particularly in changing their bigotries. Mm-hmm. really wondering also if um, our institutional isms whether it be racism, ageism, whatever, can really be changed in I'm an optimist. I've seen growth in people. I've had it, I've experienced that in my whole family, where people with extreme bigotry have changed. And so I believe in people being able and willing. not. It doesn't always happen, but I believe it's possible. I've seen it. Getting some students to believe that change can occur for the better um, is sometimes a challenge. I think the other key thing in all of my classes is helping students have a voice. I have certain values and beliefs. I can talk about those and express those in a way, hopefully, that is not sensitive. To other and now, I say that to a degree. There are some things that I'm sure inevitable. inevitable. Yes. It's not going to matter. Yes. Because of their value, I want us to be able to know how and do it in a respectful way Um, and one where we think about where did that come from for that person. Because everything we do and the values, beliefs that we have came from somewhere. Not just, oh, I learned bigotry from, or I learned whatever from Uncle Joe, but there's a basis as to where that came from, even for Uncle Joe. Right. And once often that you understand where it came from, It comes back down to those human components of need for safety, ability to to take care of you and your own, You know, those common things that we have. And I may not like Uncle Joe's viewpoint on something, and I think I can believe that he's wrong, but I can understand where it came from and why he's attached to it. And somehow that makes it better for me. It's like, oh, okay, I don't like it. I don't agree with it, but I get it. Right. It gives you a sense of compassion. empathy, maybe. Yeah, Like, it doesn't, I know from just my perspective, that would help me, and I get what you're saying 100%, because that's what I try and do, is understand the origin of why people believe what they believe. And when when you do, it's easier to forgive. It's easier to Uh deal with it. You know, it's easier to not look at the other person. Simply as their being, the exactly, and exactly. the humanness, right, right,
1: yeah.
0: in wow, that's that powerful. Powerful. Yeah. yeah, that's a power. That's, that's very powerful. And so, um, have you seen your students walk away different after taking your class in the way that they see um, potential in that area, or in just the way they view the world or themselves Absolutely. or other people? You know, yes. because this is a very, I mean to me, this is all relevant to life. Mm-hmm. to understanding, um, understanding people, understanding human behavior, because, um, the key component of success is relationships. Mm-hmm. Right. The way that you're really back at Right. Exactly. Because <laughs> we're back animals, So we can't really, we can't survive on our own. Yeah. And, and, and specifically with, you can say the younger generation, so both. Yeah. <laughs> so with millennials or with, um, what they would call generation Z, I believe, mm-hmm. um, Do you find technology or the internet changing the way people relate with one another? Do you find that they're more, they're less up to approaching people or even knowing how to develop relationships? Oh, that's a common stigma. That's why I asked. Yeah, I know. (sighs) I think it presents different challenges. Okay. I think we, I think we've had. Other things that have gotten in our way right, right. of those relationships mm-hmm. over the centuries. Whether it's I have to spend most of my time just surviving, so I've got to you know go get the things that I eat. So I'm a hunter, I'm a gatherer. I spend all my time or a lot of my time just getting what I need to survive. Therefore, maybe the quality of my relationships are not as deep or as emotional. As what we expect today. Right. And then today we have technology. They're great. I love technology. How we use it. Um, And if it is impacting us negatively, I'm not sure I'm ready to say. I mean, I think there are negative things about it. I certainly get frustrated when I just see the tops of somebody's head. (laughs) And especially in my classroom. I have to be honest about that. I think what it tells me right. is I have to get better at learning how to connect. Yes. You know, maybe I send that person a message. Going, mm-hmm. uh, right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there you go. You know, there you go. Yes. And, 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 so I think there's always going to be something right that gets in the way of relationships. Mm-hmm. Is. And I think we just have to figure out new and better ways of breaking those barriers down, uh, figuring out how to communicate. Um, I am. I'm not someone that doesn't like Gen Zs or millennials. I love love you guys. Um, it's fun. good to hear. Yeah, <laughs> you're fun. You, you're creative. Uh, you're aware of the world around you. I mean, in, in ways that maybe my generation wasn't. So I think it's just a matter of figuring out how to navigate all, right. for all of us. Right. How to adapt. How to adapt. Yes. Yeah. It's all a about new adapting. adaptation. What do, uh, as far as, like, classroom, what, what are your expect, expectations and how do you handle assignments? Are they all consistent regardless of the class? Pretty close to it, Okay, yeah. I teach <laughs> online classes. For instance, in the fall, I'm teaching introduction to sociology, marriage and family, and cultural anthropology all online. And all of mine are eight-week courses so they're a little bit faster paced. And so i you know set up assignments weekly. Mm-hmm. Um, some assignments are a little bit longer than others. And kind of the longer assignments are sort of every other week, mm-hmm. kind of the approach. Um, I, ha- I always have some form of reading or textbook, and so there's always a chapter test or a quiz, usually not test test, quiz over one or two chapters. Um, and then we have written assignments, and they're mostly analysis papers. We take a topic and issue related to sociology or anthropology or marriage and family, and I usually have to do a little research, and then papers are usually between two and five pages, depending on the course. And so that's kind of generally, and I do that in my on-campus classes, okay. too. Okay. On campus, I teach intro to sociology, and um, I'm teaching that at West, this this semester. I teach that in the fall at West and teach it in the spring mm-hmm. here at Metro. And then my intercultural diversity and inclusion class is on campus on Monday afternoons, and it's wonderful. Okay. I like block courses that are a little bit longer than those um, upper division mm-hmm. classes that have, because there's so much there that, you know, if I get into a conversation for 50 minutes on a topic that yes, I want three hours Yes, or that's if we're right. going to go do a field trip you know, I, I try to go and do as much as possible. So I like those longer courses for, I, I teach that, I teach aging death, and dying, social problems, honor social problems. In those courses, I do in those three hour blocks. So assignments are almost all pretty typical as far as quizzes and then um, analysis papers. All right. What are the best ways to contact you? It would be email, which mm-hmm. is g-a-y dot phillips, P-H-I-L-L-I-P-S, mm-hmm. at lsacc.edu. Um, my phone is 918-595-8842. Um, I am in, uh, on Metro Campus is my office, and I'm in the academic building, and academic in building, 514. All right. Awesome. Also, those would be the primary ways. What are your typical office hours? I'm usually here like 11 to 2 or 3, Monday through Thursday for sure. I can set up appointments, very willing to set appointments when it's convenient and have done that. For instance, teaching at West in the semester, I'll find an office to meet someone out there. They're used to going to the West Campus, so I'll just meet them there. Or my online students, I'll meet them. I've met students on Saturday. Whatever is bad, yes. Whatever is bending right? And it's different. It is. (laughs) All right. Well, we've covered a lot of information. Thank you so much for joining us on our show. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about sociology and what we do. Yes, it's exciting stuff. It's just innovative stuff, progressing, and I and I believe it's a foundational lesson that we should all. Lisa, thank you so much. Yes, not a problem. This has been Gay Phillips and Bethany Solomon at The Connection. Gary, we wish you an incredible semester. You can check us out online on our website at tccconnection.com or our podcast that is hosted on Podme. Thank you.